Welcome to the Work Camper Show, brought to you by WorkCamper.com. This podcast helps you discover how to finance your RV travel dreams. Each one of our episodes will introduce you to people who are already living the RV lifestyle or to work camping opportunities all around the U.S. You'll also learn how to hit the road the right way and make the most of every opportunity. Now let's turn over today's show to your host, Greg Gerber. Today I'm speaking with a work camper who has been full-time RVing since 2014 and worked at a number of limited-term jobs before publishing a children's book about his experiences. Today's episode is sponsored by Work Camper News. With its diamond and platinum membership tools, Work Camper News is much more than just a job listing website. When you put the tools of this professional service into action, you'll find out just how easy it can be to turn your work camping dreams into reality. The one-year memberships open the door to a one-stop shop for all things work camping. Being the original resource for work camping, you'll find the largest number of job listings, be able to connect with the community of work campers, and view resources compiled by experts who've been enjoying the RV lifestyle for many years. If you're serious about leading a successful and enjoyable work camping lifestyle, then a Diamond or Platinum membership is for you. You can even get started with a free 30-day trial by visiting www.workcamper.com forward slash trial. Embark on new adventures today with the support of Work Camper News behind you. When I caught up with Richard Duhame, he was in Galveston, Texas. Prior to that, he had been working at a summer camp where he did carpentry projects, helped kids with boats in the zip line, and told stories around the campfire. The 62-year-old has been RVing since 2014 when he returned from Afghanistan. He grew up camping with his parents and five siblings who would all crowd into a StarCraft RV and travel all over New Hampshire. It was an activity he continued with his own children when they were growing up. Richard worked as a commercial diver for many years, but also served as a carpenter in the Navy. That's what took him to Afghanistan where he built temporary shelters for military personnel. When he left the Navy and started RVing on his own, Richard purchased an inexpensive older motorhome that required so many repairs he soon had to sell it and eventually purchased a 27-foot Thor motorhome. Today, he recommends that people spend money up front to buy nicer RVs because they'll spend that same amount of money fixing up less expensive units. He loves the RV lifestyle because it allows him to visit his grandchildren more often. In fact, he selects work camping jobs that allows him to stay closer to family members for extended periods of time before starting another job closer to different grandchildren. Richard has five grandchildren, the oldest of which is four. They love to visit Grandpa in his RV and make s'mores with him around the campfire. To tell us more about his work camping jobs and the variety of experiences he has been able to enjoy, please welcome Richard Duhame to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Richard. I appreciate your time. Where are you parked right now? I am parked along the ocean in Galveston, Texas. Have you been there for a while? No, just the beginning of the week. Okay, just taking a little break and getting in some ocean time. Yes, sir. What was you? What were you doing before you got to Galveston? I have been a carpenter slash boat guy, zip line guy, storyteller at a summer camp. That sounds like fun. How long were you working there? <laughs> I've been there since May 15th this year. I suppose school is going back to session, so the kiddies are away from camp and back in classrooms. The hardest part is the teenage staff goes back to football camp, cheerleading camp, yes. band camp. So <laughs> you can't have much camp without teenage help. How long have you been RVing? I have 
been doing this full-time since I returned from Afghanistan in 2014. But I grew up camping. My parents had an old Starcraft and all eight of us would pile in it and camp all over New Hampshire. And then when I was raising my kids, I chased around and we had campers. And after Afghanistan, I wasn't sure where to live and where to go and didn't want to buy a home. So went the RV route instead. What kind of RV did you select? That's part of the problem. You might ask me later, he said, what would you learn from your mistakes? But yes. I started out with it. I wanted a motorhome and I like class A's so everybody in the, the whole company can see out the window better. But I started out with a $6,000 1993 Winnebago or a Tasca or something and then spent about that much more money fixing it and eventually got rid of it and switched to a little Toyota. The old, mine was a Spirit, a Tasca Spirit, but it was like the old Dolphin on a Toyota chassis. And then I grew out of that, so got rid of it. But now I'm in a 27-foot uh, four. It's real, it's nice. So I guess my advice would be spend the money at the beginning instead of all the repairs on the way. How, are you traveling by yourself or with your family? I'm alone. How long have you been work camping? Since 2014? Yeah, some of it I would be parked pretty much the whole of my career. I was still doing it, but I lived in the camper. So I call it work camping. But... The last few years would be more of the work camping definition where you go to the sugar beets and you go to the amusement parks and you, you go wherever that you could find. But even when I was a commercial diver, I'd work here in Galveston, but stayed in a campground, but went to work every day to the same place for a few years. If you were in Afghanistan, it sounds like you were employed by the military. I was in the Navy Reserve as a carpenter. I was with the Seabees. And we'd go over there and build whatever they possibly, whatever they needed, mostly birthing, like little wooden buildings that could go up in a day and then the Marines would move in. And it's unusual to see that a carpenter is actually an underwater diver as well. When I was young, I was a diver in the Navy. And then when I went in the reserves, I would have had to go to dive school over again. And I'm like, I don't think I could do that at my age. <laughs> I just said, what else you got? And they said. We need a lot of builders. And I was also, I would do underwater construction. So it was easy to say I'm a carpenter. And they let me in as a carpenter and gave me a promotion. And but then it got to a point where I was that middle manager and just running jobs and running whole sites, but not the guy doing the paperwork. So it was the perfect for my personality. What attracted you to work camping? The beauty of going to more than one spot within a year. Like when you work for somebody, you feel obliged to be there. So with work camping, you could say, I can do this till May, or I can do this until Sugar Beets ends, or you have the ability to visit grandkids mainly, as mine were spread out in more than one region. So instead of picking who I wanted to live with, I could just say, I'll see you when this one ends and go get another gig closer to the, to the next group. That is nice so, to be able to spend some time in one particular area and really get to know and fall in love with that yeah. before moving on to the next. I have five grandkids and the oldest is four. So there's two that are four, one that is two, and two that are one. It's like very young. So if they don't know me now, they may never. So I, I took the chance to spend time with them. And what kind of jobs have you worked when you've been doing work camping? It sounds like it's been quite varied I, in your experiences. I did the sugar beet thing. I did the kids camp. I did the, I call it amusement jobs, but it was mainly like I, looked up a zoo that was closest to my daughter's town because I didn't want to work really hard where you feel like a career. So I was the guy driving the train at the zoo and the guy loading the merry-go-round and making sure the petting zoo was safe. And the fun part was I bought my children annual passes to the zoo so they could come anytime. There I am. And I would see the little guy walking down the road toward me. 
And when I tell everybody, you couldn't play for the Red Sox that impressed a little kid more than to drive the train at the zoo. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Have you done any work camping jobs that required diving? No, it's pretty specific. I saw one come through the, the organization once and they were looking for somebody in Florida to do like a scuba diving, hookah diving. And I haven't followed up on it yet because the summer was so full already. I have worked as a work camper teaching underwater welding school right there where you are in Arizona. There's one in Goodyear. And then I taught at another one in Dallas, but they know me already. It wasn't so much that a work camping lead. It was like, hey, I'm the ex, I'm the ex Navy diver. And that's saying you went to Harvard with a business degree. You could say you're a Navy diver and usually somebody make a room for you. How do you find these jobs? I say the internet's our best friend. You start at the work camper websites and you get the emails every day. And I take screenshots and put them in the thing. And later, if I'm like, oh, I need to go to, say, South Dakota, then I work backwards from the ones I did the screenshots of. But most of the jobs I found either through work camping or just on my own looking up something that looks fun. I used to tease people that it was, I was too old to run away and join the circus, but not too old or drive the train at the zoo. So it was the, com it was the combination of my gypsy spirit. Did you find the zoo job on your own? Yes. I'm about to go back. I think I'll be going in two weeks. They're taking me back for a couple, they're going to take me back for a month and a half, and then I'll go straight to the sugar beets from there. I try to visit a relative and work and then work my way out of that region too. So if I'm already in South Dakota visiting, then I'll work at the zoo and then I'll go to the sugar beets and then I'll come south for the winter and try to stay employed as I drive. What was it like to work for the sugar beet harvest? Oh, it was fun. I only did it one year. It was the strangest thing where you could start out where it's too hot to harvest and then it's too cold to harvest and it's, we've only been here two weeks. But by the end, it was quite cold. As soon as I was in the Minnesota way up high, and it was, I think we looked it up as a half hour from Canada. We were, might as well call it Canada. But uh, I'm going to go back to the same fields, hopefully, and everything's lined up. And I applied right away because they were so willing to work with you and you click a mouse and do your paperwork. And so I'm ready to go there. And I think I, I think I'm going to work in Dallas at that diving school for two weeks coming up starting Sunday. And then I'm going to drive to South Dakota, work at the zoo and then go through. And as long as they'll keep me at the sugar beets, I'll stay there until they're done. A lot of people think that when they hear the word harvesting sugar beets, they think they're going to be in the field with a shovel, but that's not at all. Oh, man. What's it? No, you're pretty much just helping trucks back up and then keeping the ground clean that nobody tips, trips on something. But just the hardest part is the long days. Like you start in the dark and you end in the dark, either days or nights. The night shift comes in, it's dark, they leave. It's dark, but it's a long day. But like when we were in the Navy, we used to joke and say, you only have to work a half a day. You guys 12 to 12 and you guys 12 to 12. It's <laughs> have you faced any challenges either as an RV or as a work camper? I think the only challenge is, and I've heard this from campground managers sometimes too, is they like, like I'm 62 almost. So I've succeeded in my career. And so I show up somewhere and it's almost like, I feel like I'm a leader already, but you need to know wherever you go, you're still learning that new industry. And the campground owner I was with the other day, he said, a lot of guys show up here, want to point the finger what needs to be done. And he goes, and I'm the owner of the campground and I'm on the lawnmower. So I don't need anybody to point the finger. I need people that want to come and work. And that was a little bit of a hiccup because even in the Navy, I could choose what work to do because I was high enough that I could just say, hey, go get that. And they would get it. So I had to like in the work camping thing, it's okay. I'm, I chose this. 
I voluntarily chose to make this number and to drive the train and, and or whatever it might be. But sometimes our pride gets in the way and we think we're above the pay or we're above the work. And it's, you chose this, you could leave just as easy. And it's like kind of, that's my only real thing is to pay attention to is that you volunteered for this. It's not somebody's making me. What are some of the favorite perks that you've been able to enjoy as a work camper? Clearly the main one is the location that I could visit the grandkids. And then when work's over, I can go there and see them again and that kind of thing. I've even worked as a dishwasher so I can have my days free to help my son-in-law build a house. Because if I work during the day, then he's alone. If I work at night, so I'd go in and do dishes. And I'm like, I haven't done dishes since 1978, but here I am doing it again. Yeah. But the idea that the biggest perk is the, the ability to plan where you are. The schedule is yours. Where do your grandkids live? If one in Prescott, one's family, one set of kids in Prescott and the other one's in Sioux Falls. Until my other two children have children, that's pretty much the focus is you gravitate those spots. So Arizona and the Dakotas. Yeah. Now I really want to be in Dakota in the winter. So I time her to either come in the spring and leave in the fall or something. But in the Arizona one is pretty nice. She's in the mountains. She's both places work. Any season works for her. Now, one of the intriguing things about your story is that you have ventured out to be an author. Why don't you tell us about oh, your book? I started out for my children and my own, my daughters and my grandchildren is I wrote a kid's book about grandpa's riding around and his s'mores mobile, like we're calling it. And it's basically the artist did such a good job. He did my Thor little motor home. He did all the grandkids that they matched. And I look like the old gray haired grandpa, but it's basically the grandpa's Grandpa's motorhome is compared to the turtle that carries the shell in the back. Grandpa's motorhome is like the covered wagon as they cross the prairie. Grandpa's motorhome is, but it was basically two little things. And my goal would be that my daughters could read it to the kids and talk about me the times that I'm gone. You remember how much fun it was when he was here, but now he's gone. But this is what, you know, and so it's kind of like a love for your family and a love for the camping lifestyle. So I just recently got them printed and now I'm still sorting out how to market it and go from there. But it's been fun. It's, I think it's more of a hobby. And if I ever did the math of what it cost me to do compared to what I've made, so who knows the future. But right now, it's just a hobby. <laughs> but the, it's adorable. It's fun. The title of the book is what? Grandpa's S'mores Mobile. And a friend of mine helped me set up a cute little website. and You can pay directly from it. And basically, the marketing plan I have is where do RV people go? When I think of the museum in Indiana and I think of the, the hot air balloons or I think of the circus museum, you know, what is, so I'm marketing the places I think I would have went if I didn't have to work, if I was just riding around. So hopefully some of their sponsors will start coming in of people that could buy it, and then they sell it retail. So that's my real goal is sell it to individuals and then sell it with somebody without order. Some plural. It's funny. Is it available on places like Amazon or in bookstores? It's so new. Not yet. It's not on Amazon, but it's on s'moresmobile.net. But you can't, there's no apostrophe by the s'mores. You just write it in as one word, s'moresmobile.net. And they'll go to the little website and there's a bio and there's like a coloring book that goes with it. And the pictures, the colored book. And it's hilarious. That's adorable. My kids loved it. And hopefully other kids will too. Do you have plans for the winter? Nope, not yet. I get, I'll come back to Texas and there's a little bit of carpentry waiting for me there. And then one of my older brothers just made the jump from Colorado to Florida. So I think some of my 
winter plan will incorporate that. <laughs> He's over where all the minor league, all the uh, spring training is too. So I might have to visit him come February where I can visit and uh, watch a little baseball. People have My to next make... step basically is carpentry in Dallas and then off to the jungle. They're going to let me come back to the zoo for a month and a half, two months in, in Sioux Falls. And then after that, I go to the sugar beets until they're done with me. That's quite a sacrifice you have to make to go to Florida in February. And I hope your family <laughs> appreciates it. I don't think I'm going to work too hard. He asked me today, you want me to line up work for you? And I'm like, no, let's wait on that. Let me just, because I knew I could find my own little amusement park kind of minimum job. Like he's going to line me up with real work and I'm not sure I want real work. What are some of the favorite places that you visited in your nine years of travel? I like, I hate sounding repetitive with the rest of the world. It's the Grand Canyon. There's very few places in the world that you could say is awesome. It's like pizza is good. Pizza's not awesome. Grand Canyon, that was awesome. And then Mount, Mount Rushmore, just the idea of seeing all the history there. I enjoyed that. But a lot of my enjoyment was where I'm from, New England. So I grew up in New Hampshire. All my kids claimed the time we lived on the coast of Maine is home. So even just being in those little villages and those little lobster towns is really my goal. If I could spend my day just traveling around like that, it doesn't even need to be the big spot, just the little spots. If there was one thing on my own bucket list, it would be to spend a whole month up in Maine in one of those small coastal oh. villages. Yeah, I didn't want to pick on the, I don't want to say his website, but one of the website guys was on one of the Keep Your Daydream. He was up in Canada bragging about how the guy got 500 pounds of lobster. And I texted him that night or I emailed him and I go, dude, we used to go out and get oh, a ton a day almost and sometimes 6,000 pounds of lobster. Wow. And he wrote back and he goes, that's a lot of lobster. But it's just, <laughs> it's a beautiful region up in Maine. It's just wonderful. Are there any places on your bucket list yet that you'd still like to visit? Oh, sure. There's plenty like Acadia up there in Maine. I see it all the time come through and I'm like, I just need to get to a point where I make that as a higher priority. So far working at this kid's camp, has been a wonderful blend. I get to be with friends. I, they know me. I've been there more than one year and it's good. It's perfect. So for me to get to Acadia though, they'll want me to come by March and by May, May or April. So someday maybe, but not now. What did you do at the kid's camp? I was originally the carpenter. And then as depending on the staff needs, sometimes I'm the counselor. Sometimes I help with the zip line. Sometimes I help load canoes and get people to, to swim. Whatever it might be, it's just a little bit different. And I think I like the idea that you're not in one thing, like a feel like you're on a treadmill where you're just doing fun stuff. The same job over and over again. So it had right. variety and you got to work with the yep. kids. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I tell them a little campfire stories and some of them, they want to write the sequel and what's going to happen next. And I'm like, I guess you got to come back next year. I don't know the answer. And it's just <laughs> funny to one of them, one year he wanted to create a video game from the story I told. And I'm like, dude, if you do that, you can keep all the money. I'll help you any way I can. Cause he had the vision, you know, but I, nobody told him there were already pirate video games out there. He just thought he was going to be the first. <laughs> That's funny. Are, how old yeah. were the kids? This camp does six to 12, so it's a pretty big span because a six-year-old might be a legitimate, just turned six, and then the 12 might be, hey, I'm 13 next week. So right. we have to find the balance of entertaining everybody, but they do the pellet guns and the archery and the blow guns. It's really quite organized, and it's a matter of 
a lot of what we do is just get them to the next spot. If you had to start over again, is there anything you would do differently? I think the main thing would be to not get into buying where you're financial, but I would buy the better motorhome or camper earlier than I did. Like where I'm spending money and then that thing still blows, the engine still goes. And I'm like, all this time and money and I got to start over, you know, and then you're adding leaf springs and you're changing this and you're improving the shocks and then you still don't keep it. So I think the better advice would be do your math budget wise and buy as much as you can afford without being stressed. Because I would, I would have options and they would look at me and say, send me a picture of your RV, but that's pretty old. That's a 91. And I'm like, sorry, but it's nice. But they don't get it. The, some of the campgrounds have a thing they have to follow and that's their script. The 10-year so, limit or whatever. I, yeah. But I don't want anyone to be in debt. Our work camping and in debt is really a hard thing too because you're like, uh-oh, how am I going to eat? But if you can buy what you can afford, it's wonderful when you just not have to worry about it. Do you do your own maintenance on the RV? Not really. I'm a carpenter. I tell people if it isn't made of wood, <laughs> then I'm scared. If it's made of wood, I'll try it. But if it's made of, I don't even do oil changes. I take it to people or make alliances with friends and stuff. Do you have any advice for people who are considering becoming a work camper or entering the RV lifestyle? My two things would be when you get there, no, you're not a boss. Unless you get hired to manage the whole RV park. But if you're just a hand, then you treat like you're a deckhand. And then the other advice is I see sometimes on Facebook, we air our dirty laundry. And it's, you don't get it. My dad always said, don't burn the bridge behind you. You might need a reference. So they might look you up. Somebody might go to the web, you know, Facebook and, oh, this guy wants a job. Oh, look at he did. He slayed the last guy. I don't want him here. So I would say keep your business closer to yourself. And when you get there, be ready to work, not, not manage. That's excellent advice because the millennials don't know it yet, but everything they do is online and recorded. And when people yeah. are looking up work campers and considering having them come work for a summer, they will probably look for them on social media just to see what kind of person they are. And if they're out there blasting their employer, yeah, that would be a kiss of death for getting a, a job offer for some yeah. companies. I wouldn't hire him. I'd be like, dude, you're going to do me the same way. Because even now, even at my age, people will say, I really need you to come now. And I'm like, dude, let me give a notice. I'm not going to leave that to my, I'm not going to do that to my employer. I was raised that you give a week, a couple weeks notice. You make sure they're covered before you quit. Because that guy should expect me to do that thing too. But if we're not good, if we're not good employees, they're going to figure it out soon enough. How can people connect with you if they wanted to just establish a relationship or follow you on your journeys? You could, I guess, info at s'moresmobile.com. I can answer those emails, but my personal email is workingdiver at yahoo.com, but it's spelled W-O-R-K-N-D-I-V-E-R. And back in the early 80s, somebody already had the working diver, so I had to spell it that way. So it, the working diver at Yahoo or do it through my info at Morsmobile.net. Dot net, not dot com. No, somebody beat me. I'm not much of a businessman, so I was sure I could get it. And when I typed it in through GoDaddy, they're like, sorry, somebody has it. I'm like, wow. <laughs> and I already printed all my books. So I wasn't going to change the name of my book. That's right. <laughs> Thank you very much, Richard. I really appreciated it. Sounds like you're having a fabulous time out there. We're camping and RVing, and I wish you the best of luck in the future. All right. Thank you very much, brother.
As someone who has dreamed of writing children's books myself, I really enjoyed Richard Duhame's story about Grandpa's S'mores Mobile. I thought it was a delightful way for a grandparent to chronicle all his adventures in a way his grandkids could understand and appreciate. The book compares Richard's motorhome to a turtle that has his house wherever he travels. The story explains that an RV is also like a covered wagon that was used to cross the prairie long ago, but even better. He wrote the book specifically so his daughters could read to his grandchildren to remind them of their time together. Richard offered some good advice for other work campers about adapting to various job conditions. He explained that work campers sometimes allow pride to get in the way by thinking they're above doing certain types of work. He recommends that people remind themselves they volunteered to do specific work at a certain place. Since it's only short term, they should just make the best of it and move on to a better opportunity when the current job ends. For example, Richard has not washed dishes since he was a teenager, but wound up doing just that for a recent job because it gave him time during the day to help his son-in-law build a house. So if the job makes it easy and affordable to do something you want to do, then Richard suggests just putting up with little quirks and going with the flow. He also made a very important suggestion to people about posting negative things regarding employers online. Before making a job offer, Many employers check out social media to get a feeling for applicants. It does not help them secure job offers if a potential employer hops on Facebook and sees the applicant bashing their old employer or the company. I really enjoyed speaking with Richard today and listening to his advice and his fun stories. I wish him the very best of luck in all his travels. People can connect with Richard by emailing workindiver at yahoo.com or check out his children's book at s'moresmobile.net. Today's episode is brought to you by the featured employers at WorkCamper.com. These WorkCamper employers have taken the extra step to share some photos and detailed information about their WorkCamper programs. Opportunities exist for solos, couples, and families, whether they are full-time, part-time, seasonal, and even long-term jobs. Some are income opportunities and others involve volunteering at locations throughout the United States. Go to workcamper.com forward slash FE to meet the featured employers today. Employers who are seeking to hire work campers can learn about the benefits of year-round recruiting by becoming a featured employer. More information about featured employers is available at www.workcamper.com forward slash FE details. That's all I have for this week's show. Please join me again next week for a new episode of The Work Camper Show. Thanks for listening.